Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The Bible, the Word of God, teaches us in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to use a different translation, but notice... It says, let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all to us generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Listen, church. There are times in our lives when we have to make a choice on which way to go. And sometimes, and some people, they'll call it a fork in the road, and, and, and really a fork in the road is when life throws that curveball you. Sometimes we see the curveball coming and we have a chance to prepare for it. And other times, if we're being honest, we didn't see it coming. It's the fastball over the plate, and boy, we didn't see it coming. And of course, I'm speaking metaphorically. But either way, these choices in life require, you ready? Endurance and wisdom. Endurance and wisdom. I heard it put this way from one biblical writer. Our ability to endure our current and future circumstances often influences our decisions. Would you agree with that? Sometimes our choices are the result of our endurance. Other times, our choices require endurance. When we are in need of endurance or are faced with decision, God is our source of wisdom. We should first go to God with faith-filled prayers before we embark in seeking the advice and guidance of others or making our own decisions. She goes on and says, God will show us the choice he wants us to make in our lives, unquote. Now, before we jump into our study, I want to talk to you for just a moment about endurance and wisdom. Like I said at the very beginning, when you think about it, James says that that's really what we need. We need endurance in life. We need to run the race and we need to keep on going. The problem is, is like we talked about on, on Sunday mornings, is that we're sometimes here sick, we're homesick, but now we're here sick, and because we're here sick, guess what happens? We now are tired. I don't have the endurance, Lord. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'll never forget, it was, it was our second child. Nathalie was nine months pregnant. She started with the contractions. We drove to the hospital. Well, first I called my mother-in-law and said, come and watch Talia. Talia was real little. She was three. And so she came, watched, and I drove her to the hospital. It was two in the morning. And Nathalie started having more and more contractions. And in the hospital room, I won't kid you not, she says, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm looking at her going, um, you kind of have to. She goes, no, I'm done. And, and again, that's how, that's what happens when we get in life. We sort of get what? We sort of get tired. We, we, we don't have that endurance to finish, much less the wisdom. But when you think about endurance, it can be the ability, it is, can be this ability to go through the wear and tear of life 
and still complete the task at hand. And when you think about it, it might be strength endurance could be a natural or it could be a spiritual. And I think so often God gives us the endurance to overcome our challenges or our endurance to push through and come out victorious. You see, the reason I tell you this is this is exactly what the psalmist wants to teach us today. If you're taking note, there's going to be three things that will jump out the text tonight. One of them is endurance. I think you've picked that up already, endurance. The other is understanding. We could call it wisdom. And the third is guidance, is guidance. I can't tell you how many times we pray to the Lord and say, Lord, give me guidance. Guide me for, for, for my next decision. Whether it might be a job and, 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 and a promotion, God, I, I want your guidance. Give me peace. Or it might be for that next step in life, what you're going to do. God asks and we ask for guidance. That's what the psalmist is going to do. But here's what I want you to see. Not only are we going to talk about endurance, you go, amen. Not only are we going to talk about understanding and guidance, all of this stems, you ready, from a love for God's word. A love for God's word. And the more I study Psalm 119, the more I am so convicted about the word of God. You see, in my life, if I'm being honest with you, and I hope this is a safe place where we can be honest, there are times in my life when I thought, well, I'm going to pray. I'm going to apply the word of God. And I stepped back and said, well, that didn't work. I wonder how much power God's word really has. And of course, the enemy came in and tried to create doubt. But when I study Psalm 119, it's all about the word of God. It's all about the power of the word of God and our relation to the word of God. You see, the psalmist already in 88 verses says, there's a lot of things going on in the world. Can I get an amen? amen. But I'm going to stay with the word of God. There's a lot of false news going out in the world, but I'm going to stay rooted in his precepts. There's a lot of craziness in my neighborhood, but I'm going to stay rooted in the word of God. And church, that's what he wants us to be. He wants us to be so in love with the word. Now, here's our problem. Our problem is now we are in 2022 and social media reigns, YouTube reigns, Ticked all of the social media sites, and there's probably more I don't even know about. Man, I'm still old school. I'm still Facebook, right? Facebook is for old people. That's what they say. Because all of the new, but, but, but here's the point. The point is, is that we will, we will have this. We will be on the internet. We will have our phones. We won't leave home without our phones. Gotta have the phone. You never know who's gonna need me. Who remembers the day when you didn't have a phone? And you had to go back to your house if you were going to call anybody. Call me when you get home. Call, call me when you get there. Okay. And if you, right? It was your little brother or sister on the phone for hours. I don't know why I went there. But the point is, here's the point. We have a love for social media. We want the likes. We want the we want the comments, or we have a we have a love for our phone. Want to make sure I have my phone with me, or whatever it might be. But the psalmist is saying to you and I tonight, we should have a love for God's word. We should we should have this amazing affection. 
Now, by way of reminder, Psalm 119 is divided, if you remember, to 22 sections. 22 parts, or what we call stanzas. If you hear me say stanza, it's just a part. And it's actually denoted by the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Each stanza, each section contains eight verses. Boom. I don't know how he did it with eight verses, but there it is. And each verse, well, the first letter, that letter in the Hebrew is the first letter in which each of gives the name to the stanza. So each one. And so what happens is that, is that every, every one that we're looking at, and of course we've, we've covered, I think, 12 up until now. And now we're going to look at three more. But if you're taking notes, what I want you to remember is Psalm. Psalm 119 encompasses the meditation and obedience to the Word of God. Wait, Pastor Ben, stop, 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 stop. Listen, I'm all good, but I, the Word of God doesn't work for me. It's a great book to read, and I get some inspirations, but, but, but no, 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 listen. The whole psalmist says, no, 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 listen, here's, here's the point. The point is it encompasses the meditation and obedience. What is meditation? I want you to write this down somewhere. It is thinking about the Word of God all day long. You're meditating. Oh, no, 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 it's not, um, I'm meditating. It's, it's constantly thinking about the Word of God. And we've walked with the psalmist for half of the psalm already. And the direction, and his direction, is always to go back to the Word of God. Now, last week, we talked about hidden blessings in hard times. Well, tonight, we're going to see endurance and wisdom and guidance from the Lord through His Word. So that's where we are, okay? We're looking at wisdom, we're looking at understanding and guidance. So we come to the next letter. The next letter, it's the 12th stanza. It's Lamed. Lamed, L-A-M-E-D. And this Lamed marks the midpoint of Psalm 119. And it now reintroduces us to the positive tone of trust in the eventual triumph of the Lord's direction. Your attention, please. Here's what the psalmist is going to say. Follow the Lord's direction. As he guides you, follow the Lord's direction. Understand what the word of God is saying and be obedient. Be obedient. Well, you say, well, what's, what's Lamed? What's, what, what is Lamed? Well, the psalmist is going to emphasize the role that God's word has in establishing the world. We're going to see that. And compares that to the way God's direction and establishes and protects him. So we're going to see all of this, but I want you to put yourself right now. Can you smell the psalmist? He, he's There it is, all the sights and the sounds and the smells, and he's about to write. He's been in tune with God. Notice what he writes as we pick it up in verse 89. He says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Look at that. That's a great verse to simply underline. How so? Well, I love, love, love the psalmist as he begins this stanza because he is declaring to you and I, the word of God is established and settled forever. Forever. It's the word of God. 
Listen, all the changes in our lives. Well, we lived here, or we lived there, or we're doing this, or I changed my job. Here's what he's saying. The word of God does not change. It remains firm. Why is that key? Here's why. Because we are now moving into a culture, church. Listen to me. We're moving into a culture where many churches are trying to change the word of God. Well, I don't like this, so let's change it. Well, I don't like that, so no. And, and what we're doing is, is we're going against what God says, because he says right here, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. But I like this because a lot of times, sometimes we feel like the word is settled in our hearts, but the psalmist reminds us, oh, no, no, it's much more in your heart. The word is settled forever, O Lord, in heaven. I think of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25, jot that down. It says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. Let me say that again. The word of the Lord does what, church? Endures forever. That's what Peter says. Peter understood that. Now, the psalmist wrote this way before Peter, but Peter catches on, and the point is we need to catch on. In 2022, we're the believers. We're the warriors. We're the ones out fighting. And we got to have the word of God. It has to be settled in our heart. It endures forever. Endures forever. Well, Ben, what does what forever mean? Like, like, what do you mean forever? Well, the expression, li al oem, and it means a long time, a future time, or perpetually. Here's what it does. It conveys the idea of a long-term consistency rather than eternity. So the word of God is consistent. It's consistent. It's consistent. It's consistent. It's consistent. It's consistent. If the Lord Jesus were to take a hundred years before he came back and we all disappeared, the word of God would stay consistent. Can I get an amen? You guys grab that, right? Grab that. If we are to have endurance in life, in school, in our jobs, in our marriages, in our, in our spiritual walks, we must settle in our hearts the word of God is firm. There must be no compromise or no debate concerning the word of God. It is firm in the heavens. It is firm in my heart. Well, the psalmist goes on. He says, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinance for all are your servants Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Notice what he's saying. Notice what he's saying. The psalmist reminds us, he says, your, who is he talking to? He's talking to the Lord. Your faithfulness extends to every generation. And that's a great place for an amen and a hallelujah. I'll tell you why. Because I love the fact that the Lord is faithful. Even when I am not He's so faithful. Sometimes we walk and we're faithless. Sometimes we doubt the Lord. 
I can't believe this. You guys remember when Jesus resurrected? He told the boys, meet me in Galilee, meet me in Galilee, meet me at the, let's go, let's go, man. And, and they were over there and it says, and they saw him on the beach. He was, he was making breakfast. He had a little huevos rancheros going on. He had some really good food going, some tortillas. I mean, the Lord had it down. And it said, and they believed, but then, but one of the words says, and some doubted. I'm like, wait, 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 you saw him on the cross. And yet there was still doubt in our hearts. And I understand that. I understand that. But I love the fact that the psalmist says that your, his faithfulness is going to extend to every generation. And it actually extends to the earth he created. And his regulations, guess what? They're going to remain true to this day. For everything serves his plans. Now, think about what he's saying. Think about what he's saying. Because he comes to verse 92. He says, unless your law had been my delight, I would, have, I would then have perished in my affliction. Now, here's what you want to do. You want to circle that word for delights, right? If you have a King James Version, it actually has an S at the end of it. It's delights. So New King James says delight, but you go, what's the point? Here's what it means. The actual word means pleasure. Pleasure. Enjoyment. You can write that next to it. It's pleasurable. It's enjoying. So the psalmist says, unless your word had been my enjoyment, my pleasure, well, what would have happened? Could you imagine? We would have went out for a Coke with the psalmist, and the psalmist sits by. He goes, I got to tell you something, Ben. What? What's that? He says, man, unless, unless the word of God wasn't my enjoyment, he said, I would have perished. And that word perished? I want you to see it. It's very interesting. Why? Because it means perish, but it also means this. You ready? It means wandered away. Wander away. How many of us have been at a time in our lives prone to wander away from the word of God? We're prone to wander. And that's what he says. He says, unless I've had the word of God, so I've been so delighted. He says, I would have perished perished yeah you know what i would have wandered away in my affliction everybody see that in the last verse my affliction what is he talking about what affliction well if you look at the word what he's trying to convey here is something very interesting because there's three words that make up this word in the english one of it's depression depression the second word is misery and the third word is trouble so if what's going on in his life, whatever it is, he says, if I wouldn't have had the word of God, I would have wandered, I would have wandered away, I would have perished in my depression, in my misery, in my trouble. What's going on, man? Tell us, Psalmist, what's happening? But the point is, is he doesn't want us to focus on the depression or the trouble or the misery. What he wants us to focus on is delight. He says, he says, are you enjoying the word of God? Does it bring enjoyment? Is it pleasurable to you? This is what he's saying. Because the Bible says, delight yourself in the word of God. Take enjoyment in it. Take pleasure in reading it. And I would often say to you and I, ask the Lord for a greater hunger 
for his word. Now, let's put it in perspective, okay? There are a lot of things in our lives, they may be electronic, they may not be, that we have and we get enjoyment from. Okay? Me and a few others, Joe and Mike, enjoy a great day out on the golf course. We enjoy it. We're not trying to make a bunch of money. We're not trying to compete that, that people get upset. We go out there. I mean, it's dark 30, I'm telling you, but that's what time Joe wants to go. And, um, but we enjoy it. So you know what happens when you enjoy something? You do it again. You do it again. You do it again. But think about what he's saying. He's saying, listen, listen. Do we take that same enjoyment in reading the Word of God? Oh, sure, I understand there's some crazy things in the Old Testament. But our goal is to find Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. And you'll find the enjoyment. When it comes to the Word of God, church, listen, this is what the psalmist is saying. Are you delighting yourself in it? You see, we live in an era where we have Bibles all over the house. We have a Bible here. We have a Bible there. We have, we have one on the coffee table. We have one on there. And you have Bibles everywhere. You have a Bible on your phone. As a matter of fact, Soph did a devotion the other day, and he opened it up. He said, open up your Bibles on your phone, because he knows everybody has their Bible on their phone. But do we take enjoyment? Does, does it draw us back? Do you go, I can't wait to read the Bible again. I just can't wait. I can't wait. Why are you so happy? Just reading. Just reading. God is so good. God is so good. So what's going on? Just, just happy. Just, it's great. I, this is, man. Or think about this. Think about your favorite food. Think about the favorite food that you find. Not the ones you owe for losing at golf, but the ones that you like. We keep going back to our same favorite restaurant, don't we? Because we like the food. And, and here's the point. He says, guys, let's ask the Lord tonight for a greater hunger for his word. Do you remember we started earlier where we talked about choices? And sometimes we don't see the, the, the curveball or the fastball, or sometimes we see and we have to make a decision, we have to make a choice. I think we need to make, we have to do what? Well, we have to make an active habit, an active decision to get in his word versus other things. Okay, now I stepped on your toes. Now I stepped on your toes because all of your thumbs are having reactions right now. You're going, no, wait, 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 stop. Wait, because we do that, right? We have a choice. When I get home, I could read the Word of God or I could turn on the tube. And I can sit and watch TV and you know what? I can read the Word of God for five minutes and it feels like three hours. (laughs) Or I can turn on the tube and watch it for three hours and it feels like five minutes. Come on, somebody. And so the point is, is that I know that's who I am and so I have to ask the Lord to give me a hunger for His Word so that I don't want to turn that on, so that I want to be engulfed. And you guys know this. You know this. How many of you ever sat down to read His Word and three hours later you're like, whoa, it's one o'clock. I didn't realize. I just kept reading it. It It just got me. I was just so... It was just... I couldn't put it down. 
I couldn't put it down. I need to go to bed. My eyes are bloodshot. But I was reading God's word. You do that with other books. We do that with other books. I went to Calvary Chapel and Pastor Ben said I can't read other books. That's not what I said. I said, I want that hunger for God's word that same way. Just to read. Okay, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Why would we want this, church? Why? Here's why. It keeps us from wandering away from him. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. To leave the God I love. But when I'm in the word, guys, this is, this is again, this is, it keeps me from wandering away. And it guides me. Another reason, you ready? Is that life struggles seem to have that effect. Life struggles. Which are they? Depression, misery, trouble. That's, that's life. You've heard the gospel according to Rocky, right? Rocky says in his movie, it's not how hard you hit, but it's how hard you can get hit and still move forward. And that's what life will do to us, guys. It wants to hit us. But I want to know, and I want to come back to the Word of God. Well, it goes on in verse 93, and it says, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I sought your precepts. The wicked wait to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. Your attention, please. Always remember when he's referring to the word of God, oftentimes it's precepts, it's, um, it's testimonies, it's statutes, it's all of these, but it comes back to the word of God. Now, here's what I want you to see. We can see endurance and wisdom in these verses. Why? Because the psalmist writes, I will never forget your word. Why? Because it brings and it gives me life. It gives me life. This is what he's saying. I won't forget your word because your word is life. He says, I am yours. Save me. Rescue me. For I have worked hard at obeying your commandments. He says, though the wicked hide along the way to kill me. Think about this. I will quietly keep in mind, keep my mind on your promises. Wow. Wow. How many of us can say that? Whoa, my enemies, they're out to kill me, but I'm going to keep focused on the word of God. I'm going to keep focused on the word of God. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. Hey, question. What's your struggle with God? Well, I don't, I don't know what you mean, Pastor. What's your struggle with God? Let me tell you my struggle. I gave my life to the Lord, but then I take it back at times. That's my struggle with God. Lord, I'm yours. It's yours, all of me. I surrender all. And then I take some of it back. And the areas that I think God can't handle, I'll take. Come on, just me? Come on, somebody. You guys know what I'm talking about. You guys know, you're sitting there like, yeah, you're a weirdo. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. He says to you and I, he says, man, I'll never forget your word. I'll never forget your word. Why? Your word gives me life. 
Your word gives me life. Though I through, through though the wicked hide along the way and try to kill me, and again, it doesn't have to be in a physical sense, but it could be some of the, the issues that you're dealing with. Some of us could have an issue with our job that our bosses are not cool. We could have issues at school. We could uh, there's all kinds of issues, whatever it might be. But what the psalmist wants to remind you is that regardless what you go through, the struggles, the people who are talking trash, the people who are talking behind your back, all of that stuff. For you as a believer, the psalmist says, keep your mind on the promises of God. When when the day is hard, when the day is hard, when you go, oh, what kind of day? Well, it's just been one of those days, and we've had those days. I'm reminded in God's word, keep my mind on the promises of God, what he has for me. What does that mean? It means that you have to take a step back from your job, maybe go in the break room, get in God's word, pray a little bit, and say, okay, Lord, let's go again. It might be that you have to say, "Oh, okay, I'm in the I I I don't know what to do here in school. I've got a this is this is just one of this crazy I've and we go back into the promises." Well, he says in verse 96, "I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad." He says, "Even perfection or completion has its limits." He says, "But your commands They have no limit. Let me summarize it like this. In verses 89 through 96, we record the psalmist's faith-filled testimony about the preeminence and power and perfection in the word of God. You go, all right. And that's good news for all of us who trust and obey in the word of God. God's word is a solid rock upon which I stand. You guys remember that? But let me say, let me tell you what, what it, it won't always make sense to you. Come on now. You go, I, I, it will not always give you what you want. It will not always keep you out of storms. And add to the list of the things that God's word will not do, it will never let you down. It will never let you down. If you look at the, if you look at the Hebrew letter, the, the stanza Lamed, it means word without end. Everything is going to pass away, but guess what's not going to pass away? Help me. The word of God. Let's try that again. Everything is going to pass away, but what's not going to pass away? So why, church, why, church, are we not in the word of God all the time? All the time. Why? We've been trained. We've been duped. You go, what do you mean? So this morning, I got up and I have usually have my quiet time. It was a nice morning. It was overcast, you know, it wasn't too hot. And I went outside and, and I had my Bible. And of course, I had my phone and, and had my coffee. And so I found myself constantly going back and scrolling. I, I, it's almost like I don't mean to, but you, we do. 
And it's like a trigger in our minds. Come on, am I just talking about me? It's a trigger in our minds. If I'm bored or, I, or my mind stops running, I got to go and I've got to just see. I mean, and, and we've, this is what they've shown. They've, they've made it purposely to scroll so that we develop these things. And so there we are. Oh, okay, stop, stop, stop. Lord, you, you are so, and I'm, I'm looking at the clouds and I'm praying and I stop for just a moment and I start to think and guess what? Your phone starts calling, hello? Hello, what are you missing? Where's my phone now? Oh, I, and I do it again. And I realize that. I realize that, oh, You go, well, there's a simple solution. Leave your phone in the house. You're right. It really is. And that's what I have to do. I have to leave that. Because, church, we're not strong enough. But that's what I want to do. Now we come to the 13th stanza. The 13th letter in the alphabet. It's mem. Mem. And if you're taking note, it's a delightful word. It's a delightful word. And Mem focuses on two main themes. You ready? Understanding and action. Understanding and action. And that's what we're going to look at. You ready? Look at verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Come on, somebody. Oh, that we could say this in our lives. Oh, how I love your word. How I love your instructions. How I love your law. I think about them all day long. Your attention, please. If the word of God is calling us out, I would like to propose this. You go, what's that? I would want us right now to do a heart check. Do a heart check right now. Would you, would you, would you do that with me? You go, what do you mean? What, what do you mean a heart check? Ready? The psalmist says, oh, how I love your word. It's meditation. It's my meditation all the day. Okay, so what's he saying? I think about them all day long. That's what he's saying. My question to you, you ready, church? What do we think about all day long? What do we think about? We think about cars, sports, (laughs) our spouse. Can I say this? The, the thing we think about the most, if it's not the Lord, then it's an idol. It's an idol. Some men think about sex all the time. It's an idol. It's an idol. Some women think about sex all the time. It's an idol. Some people think about their careers and how they can, how they can grow even. I mean, but, but, but the point is, here's the thing that I want to say. The psalmist says, I love your word. I love your word. I love your word. I think about it all day long. And I got to be honest with you, standing behind this pulpit in a very vulnerable state, I wish I could say that. I think about your word, Lord. I think about you. Now, remember we talked about passive habits and active habits? Remember we talked about that? Well, this would be an active habit. 
You go, what do you mean? Thinking about the word of God all day long. And let me just say this to you. People would think you were crazy. People would think you're crazy. I think about the word. Hey, how's it going? Let's talk about, hey, we talk about the word. People would think you're crazy. But here's the point. The point is, why would they think you're crazy? I'll tell you why. Because when you talk about the word of God all the time, to them, it's just another book. To them, it's just a good, it's a good inspirational stories. It's whatever it is to them. But to you and I, guys, it's the power of God in our lives. It's the very thing that gives us life. I think about the word. I think about the word. Now, God is not asking you to think about entire chapters or books. Oh, I think about John. That's too much. Pick a verse and meditate on it. Pick a verse and meditate on it. Find a couple of verses as you go through. Let, let the word speak to you. Oh, I love this verse. I love this verse. And then meditate on it. Think about it. And then when you're driving to work and you stop at the light, think about it some more. Wow. Apply it to your everyday life. Oh, wow. Speak to somebody about it. Hey, this morning in my, in my devotion time, I was talking about this word and this word, and yeah, oh, that's cool, that's pretty. And you have somebody, and you're constantly thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. It should be an active habit. Again, think about this. Think about what he said. Oh, how I love your word. But here's what I want you to write down. If you don't mind writing in your Bibles, God's word will also make you wise. God's word will make you wise. Don't you want to be wise? Some of you are wise guys, but that's not in, not in a good sense. You're just a bunch of wise guys. But he's saying this will make you wise. Look what he says in verse 98. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Yep. I have understanding, more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I kept your precepts. Wow, do you see what he's saying? This is crazy. I want you to notice the benefits of learning and knowing and meditating and thinking and obeying the word of God. You go, what are the benefits? It makes you wiser than your enemies. You go, well, you don't know my enemies. That's pretty easy. (laughs) But here's the thing. It's a constant guide, is it not? It's a constant guide. But he also goes on and he says, the word allows me to have insight more than my teachers. Now, this is not saying that we don't have a need for teachers. But be the active habit of studying and obeying God's word gives us an incredible insight. You go, what does this mean? Okay. Oftentimes, someone will come to me and show me a passage I have studied a hundred times. They will show me in humility, oh, Pastor Ben, let me show you what I'm doing. And it blows me away. You go, why? I'm like, I've studied that. I didn't see that. That's amazing. How did they get that? They've been in the word of God and the teacher is the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. You ready? 
At Calvary Chapel, we are called to love people back to life. Can I get a good amen on that? We're called to love people. You go, what does that mean? Well, I'm not going to go very deep because I want to make the point. But uh, I want you to remember and I want you to think of Lazarus. Okay, do you guys remember Lazarus? Not, not, the, not the beggar Lazarus, but Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. Okay, so you got this great trio family, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. They were, they were having a blast. The problem was, is Jesus was off with his disciples, and guess what happened? Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies. And so they finally find Jesus, and they say, Jesus, Jesus, come back. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. And what does Jesus do? He goes, okay. What are you doing, Lord? Your friend died. Come on. We've seen you raise people from the dead. Come on. No. He waits how long? Four days. Four days. What do you do when somebody dies? You embalm them right away. Not back in this day, but they would basically wrap them in what? Grave clothes. You guys tracking with me? So it wasn't just a few strips. It was grave clothes. And they laid him. There's Lazarus. And they put it to, okay, okay, here's the, here's the tomb. And then here comes Jesus four days later. All right, Lord, let's roll away the stone. They're like, Lord, he stinks. He's been four days. Listen, it's hot. He's been in a cave. He stinks. You guys with me? You guys with me in the story, right? Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Lord, Lord, <laughs> come, here, come here, Jesus. Jesus, listen. Listen, I know you're the son of God and everything, and, and you know all about life, but you know he's been dead four days. I mean, he's, he's decomposing, Lord. Roll away the stone. You guys with me? They roll away the stone. What does he say? Lazarus! Come forth. What happens? Lazarus comes with his grave clothes on. You guys with me? He comes walking, and he can't move because he's wrapped with grave clothes. You guys know the story. How many times have you heard that story? How many times have you heard the story? You've heard the story. Here's what really jumped out at me. Because I've taught this passage, but what I didn't realize is how the grave clothes represents our lives at times. Do you remember when you first got saved? You stunk. I stunk like the world. I can't. What happened? I'm saved. I'm saved. What does that mean? I don't know. But I know I still stink because I still have a lot of the world with me. I still have a lot of the death with me. I still have a lot of the things. And what I need is I need loving people to take the grave clothes off of me. Come on. Come on, think about it. This jumped out. I need brothers and sisters who know what it's like to be in the grave to come up and say, it's okay, let's take this off. Here's what happened. Lazarus would have eventually gotten out of those grave clothes somehow, some way. Some of us feel that way too. Nobody helped you in your walk with God. You You just sort of did it. But how amazing would it have been 
if you and I as believers would have said, okay, I'm loving him back to life. And you go, yeah. And you know what happens? He came to church and he stunk. He stunk. And the point is, is that we should not expect everybody who sits in these blue chairs to smell pretty because they might have some grave clothes on. It's our job to take them. Come on, come on. You see, you know what we are at times? We're quick to judge the grave clothes. We're quick to judge. Well, how long have you been saved? Are you really saved? Hmm. Well, you stink. He goes, and you know what we would say? I know. Yeah, I know. Could you help me take these off? Because I want to walk like you walk. I want the joy that you have. Absolutely. Come on, man. Let's go. And what happens? Well, grave clothes don't come off that easy, do they? It wasn't like it was like, it wasn't like a zipper, right? And it just fell on the ground. They had to take them off slowly. Slowly. You go, well, Ben, but Jesus healed him. So his body was healed, but the grave clothes still stunk. Yeah, you guys get it. You go, Pastor, what's your point? My point is is that I want to encourage us to love people back to life. But the point is is that in the power of the Holy Spirit, guys, I've taught this passage a hundred times and didn't see it until somebody else pointed it out. And so the psalmist says, what does he say? He says, wow, your word allows me to have insight sometimes more than my teachers. More than my teachers. Why? Because, because you've been with Jesus. Do you remember what the Pharisees told the disciples? These are uneducated guys. What's their trip? And they said, they've been with Jesus. They've hung out with Jesus. They heard that it's rubbed off. It's rubbed off. If you have been in here and you've been married any length of time, you know that sometimes you find yourself doing the exact same thing your husband or wife would do. The exact same habits. You know what I'm talking about. Because you guys live in, so, in such a close proximity that you rub off on each other. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not good. I pray it's good. Look at 101, 101. I have restrained, notice, I have restrained my feet, I love this, from evil ways that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments for you yourself had taught me. You ready? Jot this down. He says, I refuse to walk on evil paths. I refuse. I'm not going to do this. And so that I can stay obedient to your word. Wow. Sometimes I find my feet are swift to run to evil. Instead, it should be, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to go down that path. I want to stay obedient to God's word. You see, he has understanding. And because he has understanding, it applies to action. He says, I refuse. I refuse. And then he says, I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. He's turned, he have not turned away. I've not turned away from what you've taught me. So here's my question. I put next to my Bible, wow, that's a great verse, and I'll tell you why. Because here's my thoughts. I wonder, 
how many of us, when life gets really, really hard, we actually turn and run from God? You see, the psalmist says, he says, I've not departed from your word. I've not departed. Life's hard. I have affliction. There's depression. There's trouble. It could be misery. I don't know what's going on in my life. A lot of people go, you know what? And here's, here's their thought. Well, if this is the kind of God you are, if this is how you are, I don't want anything to do with you. And they'll walk away from God. They've turned from his word. What we don't preach in the church is that suffering in hard times is part of the Christian walk. It's part of the Christian walk. It's to grow us up. It's so we become more like Jesus. That's why the prosperity gospel is, is not a gospel at all because they don't, there's no hard times in the prosperity. You should be doing great. You should be doing all this. And it's even worse because you go, oh my goodness, I'm not, so what's wrong with me? And if we're teaching the word of God, this is what he says. I have restrained my feet from every evil way. How far can we take that? Maybe it's not our feet. Maybe we have to restrain what we see. What movies are we allowing in our hearts? You go, I'm not watching a movie in my heart. No, you see it goes in. Our eye gate, what are we allowing our ears to listen to? That's going to what? That's going to pull us away from his word. He says, I'm not going to do it, for you yourself have taught me. When obedience to God's word does not progress in us, guess what happens, church? We compromise. Let me say that again. When obedience to God's word doesn't progress in us, we're not growing, our walks we tend to compromise. He says, I've restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself taught me. And he finishes up this stanza with this. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get an understanding. Therefore, I hate, I hate every false way. Do you guys see that? How sweet are your words to taste? First, he's talking about delight, pleasure, but now he's going, listen, man, have you ever had honey? Every one of us has probably had some honey. It's sweet. You can't untaste honey. It's sweet. And he says, how sweet are your words? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Wow. Wow. So the psalmist abstains from evil ways. He focuses on staying on the right path. He then describes his affection for God's word. And that's where we need to be, church. We need to say how sweet is the word of God. Once you've tasted the Lord you often remember how sweet he is. Mm. Let's finish up with the last stanza. Last stanza, none. 
Stanza number 14, none focuses on the psalmist's commitment to follow God's direction. Remember, there's guidance even in the face of affliction, perhaps even mortal danger. Look at verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your attention, please. We've talked about endurance. Let's go. We've talked about wisdom, and now we see God's word as our guide. I love how the psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why? Many evil things, guess what? Hide in the darkness, both physical and spiritual. Understand that. Here we have God's word illuminate and guide us in life. Guide us in life. The psalmist uses the word nur to describe a small clay lamp with a single wick, and it allows the psalmist to see along the path so he does not leave it and go astray. Can you imagine? There he is. Thy word is a light, right? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why? Because if you did that, you would stumble and you would fall. When we lived in Missouri, we used to have a basement in Missouri. And if you went down and you turned off the light, there was no light in, the dark, in, in that basement. It was pitch black. And during the day, if the lights were on, I would walk like this. Not a problem. I have light. I know where I'm going. The coffee table's right there. I'm not going to hurt my shin. Turned off the light, and I'm like this, right? You don't know where anything is. You're like... And trying to figure it out because you can't see. And you're looking for any glimmer of light. And the psalmist here says, listen, this is God's word. Without it, there's evil hiding in the darkness. You're going to stumble. You're going to hurt. And this is what you need. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. I love what he says. I promised it once, I'll promise it again. I will obey. That should be our mantra tonight. I've promised it once, Lord, I've promised it again. I will obey your word. But in verse 107, notice what he says. I'm afflicted very much. In other words, here's what he's saying. I've suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again as you promised. Maybe some of you have come in here just like the psalmist and you go, listen, I'm not anywhere where I'm supposed to be. In health-wise and anything else. Well, here's the Lord saying, revive me according to your word. Lord, restore to me exactly again, just like you promised. Not because I want life for me, but because I want to glorify you. And I want you to keep this in mind. You ready, church? Even though he doesn't understand it all, he knows the author and the character, and that's what keeps him close to the word. You see, the problem is that sometimes we go, I don't understand! How many of us said that to God? I don't understand, God, I don't get it. But because we know who God is, we know his character, we know his love, that's what keeps us close to his word. And we're living in a day and age, come on somebody, we're living in a day and age right now where we don't believe anything that's told to us. It may be true, 
We don't believe it. We'll wait. If it comes through the news, we're not sure. But there's one thing that we can believe, and that's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. He says, Except I pray thee free will offering in my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgment. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, and yet I have not estrayed from your precepts. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are rejoicing in my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. Notice what he says. He goes, my life's in danger. My life's in danger. This is what he says in, in verse 109. My life's in danger. The psalmist depicts his danger partly as a result of his own actions. But yet he writes... I do not forget your words. I do not forget your words. The wicked have laid a snare for me. The wicked is, I mean, the the psalmist again describes the danger that he faces. But he's not intimidated by the opposition he faces, but but hopes that his faithful observance in God's direction will be the means of his rescue. Lord, I'm going to stay. And I think that's so sweet. Why? Because, guys, here's the thing. No matter what happens in these next few months or years, whatever it might be, I think we're going to be really safe if we stay close to the word of God. I think we're going to be okay. He's going to rescue us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that the Lord is coming back for us. And he said, all those who have died and went to heaven, all those who have died are going to resurrect first, and we who are alive are going to be caught up to be with the Lord forever. He says, I mean, that's a promise. That's his word. That's where I need to stand. Comfort one another. It's okay, guys. No matter how bad it gets out there, he's coming back for us. Here's some more, here's some more encouragement. Listen, no matter how much you're here sick, it's okay because we're going home soon. It's okay. But we've got to stay in the word of God. Don't stray. Don't stray to what, what other people are teaching. Don't stray to what other popular culture are teaching. Don't stray and, and go down this path. Keep the light of the word of God as you walk. The enemy is going to come in and want to shut down the light. He's going to want to turn off the light in our lives. He's going to want to bring darkness because then we can't see. But we stay with the word of God. And that's where we are. Can I get an Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord. We praise you. We love you. And, Father, that's really the the gist of it. Father, we still have so much more of your word, God. I don't know how much I can take, Lord. I'm so convicted. I pray for a deeper hunger for your word, God, to know your word, to study your word, to memorize your word. To, to Lord, that, that Father, here's, here's the thing. When, when we're afflicted, Lord, when we're squeezed by this world, I pray the only thing that comes out would be the Word of God. Father, there's a lot of good books out there. There's a lot of entertaining things out there. But I pray every one of us in this room would have a deeper hunger for you. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.